Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I am your host, Jan Roos, and I am here to introduce a new series that we're going to be doing. So uh, this is titled Solo Practice Groundhog Day, How to Escape. So for a little bit of background, we've been doing a big push with the state law recently, which has brought me into contact with a lot more solo law practices than we've been dealing with usually. I ask every single person I get on the phone some variation of, you know, what brings us here to talking about growing your law firm? And I've noticed a completely different set of challenges that these solo practices face compared to like the medium and regional firms that we've been doing a lot of work with before this. So I really think that the challenges that the solo practice faces are fundamentally different than these larger firms. And I started thinking, you know, is it possible that solos are out there following advice that's really, you know, thoughtful and well-meaning for firms that could be getting them into trouble because it's for firms that are at a different level from them. So that's why I thought of um, creating this series. So uh, just to make a quick distinction before we start, I don't want to be blanket preaching here. There's a lot of people who have a comfortable solo practice and they're making a great living. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I'm guessing if you're listening to Law Firm Growth Podcast, that you're solo that's probably looking for more. Just uh, like I said, I'm not really looking to disparage anyone who wants to stay solo. But if you're stuck in a solo position, you want to get out, uh, then this is for you. The metaphor I want to take here is based on the great Bill Murray movie, Groundhog Day. For those of you who haven't seen it, the concept is actually pretty interesting. So it's about a news reporter who goes to report on Groundhog Day, see Pakistani film, and then he ends up going to sleep and he wakes up and it's the same day. He's basically caught in this time loop. It's, um, it's a super interesting film philosophically, but basically he has to do something to end up breaking out of this loop and finally waking up on the second day. So the version of this that I'm going to talk about is solo practice Groundhog Day, where instead of waking up the same day and, and having literally the exact same thing, you have a practice that's doing the same thing, but it's more on a year to year basis. So I'm going to paraphrase a quote here. You know, if you sometimes and, and I'll, I'll tie this in with a story. So I ended up uh, this was actually years back. So I ended up uh, in the office of an attorney who's uh, doing personal injury in Chinatown in New York City. And she pulled out this Chinese newspaper and she says, I cannot believe this guy. We ended up going to law school together. I got the top marks and I look at this dude and he's, he's taking out these full page spreads in this Chinese newspaper and then he posts all his case verdicts and you can just tell this guy's making money hand over fist. And, you know, she'd probably gone to law school 20 years ago. And to kind of paraphrase this thing, the reason why she was in the office that she was in with one paralegal and he was you know, presumably running this huge operation all across the state was because she probably had the same year 20 years in a row. And he had had actually 20 years of progress. So that's kind of the difference because every single year that we have this Groundhog Day, okay, cool, you're not going broke, you're not going bankrupt, but you're preventing progress from moving forward. And the big difference is really getting a mindset shift. But I'm going to kind of go into some of the details of why these things might be different for a solo than one of these larger firms. And basically why the advice that you might be able to get for a larger firm isn't necessarily um, you know, per pertinent to what your situation you find as a solo. The first thing is that we're dealing with different resources. You know, a lot of the things too, because, you know, the perspective that we have is in a firm that helps out other law firms with marketing. And the reality is marketing depends on budget. And there's a lot of different options that you have when you're running a firm that's doing a million dollars a year versus a solo who's 
basically, you know, maybe they're making 50 or maybe making a hundred thousand dollars a year. So, you know, you're not going to be able to do that radio buy or get that billboard for $20,000 or even invest in that PPC program or that SEO program for three or $5,000. Those are just things that aren't realistic for you. And it basically is not something that you're going to be able to do. So even thinking about those options is, is kind of futile. And every once in a while, when you know we get calls all the time from people who are looking to do marketing stuff, and there's there's this kind of mentality that there's there might be a secret hack, like okay, well you know what if I end up getting a billboard for one day out of the month, and, and this is a ridiculous example, but coming up with some some crazy esoteric plan to get this leverage out of there, and it's it's not really something that's realistic. So instead of money, you really have your personal time to work with, and you have the mindset that you have to to kind of make things. So, and the other thing too is that we're not really able to look at leveraging too much other people's time because, and that's another thing that's that's built in with that million dollar practice is that you know we can talk about stuff like staff, we can talk about stuff like culture, we can talk about stuff like systems and processes. But in reality, those systems and processes are really just your own personal time management and being able to have you know, the attitude that you're waking up every single day and, and taking this stuff into your hands personally. And the thing that's kind of unfortunate is that sometimes you'll see a lot of people that could be really, really smart. And that this is the situation that we found with that attorney from the beginning is that you know she was had top marks, but she was really, really smart at what she did. But unfortunately, sometimes, you know, you can have something that you know, she would be fantastic manager. If you, if you put her at the helm of that, you know, that, that bigger law firm, maybe she'd be doing better. But the reality is, if you don't have the mindset and the hustle to get you there, you're never going to get to that level. The other thing is that we're dealing with a different set of risks. I'd like to make this, this comparison before, but there's basically, you know, risk and reward in marketing, similar to risk and reward, like you'd consider in like a financial market. So the reason why, you know, you can bet on these crazy stocks that are going to return 20% a year is because there's also a chance that they're going to go down 20% a year. So it's just this really well-defined relationship. The more risk you take, the more reward you're able to get. And where this really translates to marketing is more or less proven channels. You know, the thing is that, you know, you can pay a lot. And the reason why, you know, you can still pay a ton of money for TV or radio advertisements, if you're in personal injury, for example, is because there's a more or less defined return for that. You know that, you know, regardless of, of you know, what's going to happen, if you end up running TV and radio ads for, for three years, then you're going to be somebody that comes to mind when somebody gets hit in a car accident at some point and might write it off. However, that very conservative channel of marketing also comes at a high cost because, you know, it's a known quantity. Other people are bidding that up. I like to say in, in the realm of digital, the big battle right now uh, that we see as far as the pay-per-click side is on AdWords, which is a known quantity. It's been around since the early aughts. It's very tough to get an affordable cost per click on that stuff. And you know, there's some more unproven channels that are riskier and you know, fewer people that are figured out like, you know, Facebook and social media advertising, YouTube, that kind of thing that are potentially open markets because we're not talking about $15 a click. We're talking about 15 cents per click. But can you really trust that this is proven out? So the real dilemma when it comes to being a solo is that you kind of need to have disproportionate returns. So you can't really deal with conservative, high cost channels. So you kind of have to have this, this sort of money ball approach where you need to take a, a, something that's a little bit more risky, but by the same token, not so risky that you're going to lose everything. So it becomes a very, very tough calculus. And we're going to get into this in subsequent episodes on how to make sure that you're doing this in a way that's not going to leave you broke. But you have to realize at some point, the things that are going to break you out aren't going to be the sort of blue chip stocks, so to speak, of, of the marketing world. The other thing is, and this is kind of the last thing, is that we really do have to have a different mindset. So I kind of alluded to this in the beginning 
that your mindset is really, really important. We can't kind of just write a pro like, and this is this is something that <laughs> I've frankly found uh, very, very pressing in, in, in how I've run the business of Case Fuel is that you don't really get to the next level until you sort your own problems first. Basically, if you think about it, like, you know, if, if you just looked at a person like you're thinking about efficiency and, and let's say this person is you, if you're running at 100%, then you might have some some surplus at the end of the year that you can kind of, you know, let's say let's let's shave off 30% and use that to hire people. But if you're running at 70% the whole time, then you're never really going to have that opportunity. And that's what keeps you stuck in the Groundhog's Day time loop. So you have to have a different mindset on things like risk, on things like showing up every single time. And I'm going to be completely blunt. The longer that you've been stuck in a loop, the harder it is to break out of these patterns. But not to say that it's impossible. We have situations where people are in the winter of their careers that we see making huge turnarounds. But it's it's just, you know, it takes a lot more work to be able to kind of switch things up and be able to take you know care of these things. And then kind of the last thing, and I'll, I'll transition out on this, is this kind of concept of, of different kinds of revenue. So I originally heard this on a great podcast, I Love Marketing, with um, Joe Polish. Basically, it's this concept of, of uh, different kinds of revenue. If you kind of think about it in, in sort of the analog of, of maybe um, coming to cars, you, know, you had a super high performance car, you have the super unleaded stuff that's great, you can run on it, maybe a little bit tougher to get or more expensive, but you, know, you can keep your, your car running on that for years. You could also get the unleaded or the, the cruddy stuff, and it will technically make your car go, but there's kind of costs associated to that. So there's things we're going to go into in subsequent episodes, you know, toxic networking relationships, things that take a lot of time that may not end up paying off. A lot of these things will technically keep your bills paid, but not in a way that really scales and gets you finally out of that solo practice situation. In addition to that, if it wasn't hard enough, we also have to now look at things that might actually be bringing money into the table and think about ways, whether that's something that you could really scale up to 10x. So basically, with those different things, we have to accept the uh, the different resources that you face, the different risks that you face, the different minds that you need to take, and, and then you know getting rid of that toxic revenue in your business. That is sort of the uh, the outline that we're going to follow for this series. So I will leave it at that, guys. Looking forward to next episode when we're going to talk about toxic revenue and how it might be holding you back in your practice. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode. 